Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. Um, good morning. If you are listening from wherever you are in your location or your PJs, or your sweatpants, uh, it's a blessed day to be worshiping together. And this is being recorded in front of a live audience. Uh, everybody say hi. Hello. And uh, there's a bulletin. Uh, we'd love for you to participate. You can absolutely just listen, but if you do want to participate in the liturgy, we would encourage you to do so. And that is on our coronavirus response page on our website. So if you want, you can pause it and grab that now uh, in order to follow along, or you can just listen. And please turn with me to page three in your order of service. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. And saying together, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, The first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now I invite you to kneel if you are able as we confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Saying together, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Look upon the heartfelt desires of your humble servants and stretch forth the strong hand of your majesty to be our defense against our enemies. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen. Amen. Now please prepare for the reading of Scripture. reading from the book of Exodus. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? 
but the people thirst there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand a staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll now read Psalm 61 together in unison, and if you're following along at home, I encourage you to read with us, starting in verse 1. Hear my cry, O God, give ear unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth I will call upon you, when my heart is in heaviness. O set me upon the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge and a strong tower for me against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tabernacle forever, and my refuge shall be under the covering of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows and have given the heritage to those who fear your name. You shall grant the king a long life, that his years may endure throughout all generations. His throne shall abide before the God forever. I will prepare your loving mercy and faithfulness, that they may preserve him. So will I always sing praise unto your name, that I may daily perform my vows. A reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Amen. Well, my uh, original sermon was, we're in a, the Sermon on the Mount right now, if you've been in our church and been tracking with us, and my original sermon was uh, about judging. Uh, but I just felt like today is so unique and such a special time. It was necessary to have 
some specific word about what's happening and what's going on. So we've switched a little bit, um, and uh, we hopefully will have the the study that passage about judge not lest you be judged at another time because it's so good. But would you pray with me really quick before we get started? Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you would help us to attune our hearts to your word this morning in the whirlwind of what's happening in our culture and in our city and in our nation and around the world, Lord, we pray that we would hear the still small voice through everything. Um, Lord, I pray for us in this room right now and for everyone listening in different rooms around the city uh, that you would unify us together in your spirit and under your word. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, One of my favorite old preachers is a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was this Welshman who lived and preached uh, during the early and middle 20th century. And he was locally known as the doctor because he was apparently a doctor and he was this super intense dude who rolled his R's when he preached. And uh, you can listen to him and he sounds hilarious and is really amazing and intense. But one of his famous sermons is called the acid test, which sounds intense. Uh, But basically he talks about St. Paul's charge to examine ourselves. Uh, St. Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith which is essentially to say it's taking stock of your faith. So it's asking questions like, do we really believe the gospel? Um, Have we truly laid hold of it in our hearts? And he says there's a lot of ways that you can examine yourself. Uh, One of the ways is is like a theological test. So basically thinking, do I believe all the right things? Um, One is a moral test. So do I do all the right things? Am I an ethical person? One is an experiential test, meaning do I feel all the right things that I should feel about the faith? And he says that while all those are good, they are incomplete. Because you can get an A on a theological test, but be spiritually dead as a doornail. You can be a very moral person and not actually follow Jesus. And there are all kinds of things that can lead to ecstatic experiences that don't flow from Christ. So he says, no, those won't do. But there is something which he calls the acid test, which is, as he says, the most delicate, the most sensitive test, the test of tests. And that is how you respond to the worst circumstances. It's how you react when you are faced with time and eternity, with life and death. And this, he says, is the greatest revealer of your secret heart, where your faith truly lies. Now, Martin Lloyd-Jones knew what he was talking about because he first preached the sermon to a terrified congregation during the Blitz of 1941. And we were joking this morning about having the air raid uh, sound. Do the air raid sound. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, So Martin Lloyd-Jones was actually speaking this during the Blitz, and uh, his people were literally in mortal fear. Many of their brothers and husbands had already died during the First World War. Um, Their sons were currently in danger in the Second World War, and they themselves were in danger by simply living in London. And so here's a quote from from the sermon, and this sounds uh, almost like too intense to be like laughable, but it was dead serious to the people at the time. So he says this, What do you feel like when you are sitting in an air raid shelter and you can hear the bombs dropping around and about you? And you know that the next bomb may land on you and may be the end of you. That is the test. How do you feel when you are face to face with the ultimate, with the end? 
He first preached that during the Blitz, and the second time he preached it, which is actually recorded and you can listen to, was later in the 60s, and it was during a hurricane in Florida where the service of the church actually had to be moved because of the hurricane, and he preached this sermon again. And what does that sound like when the people mm-hmm. couldn't meet at the time they normally were supposed to? Mm-hmm. Um, now, we are not in the Blitz. Uh, indeed, we are probably not even in as much danger as the people in the hurricane. We're definitely not. But we are certainly in the midst of a global crisis. We are being forced to face ultimate things. Um, our physical bodies have been shown to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. lest we forgot that fact. Yeah. Western medicine has shown itself to be vulnerable, Whoa. Mm-hmm. lest we forgot that fact. The global economy is being threatened and has been shown to be vulnerable, lest we forgot. Political stability is being threatened. And on top of that, Edgewood High School has closed its doors. (laughs) Church has been canceled, which in my whole life, which has had a lot of church in it, I do not remember ever a time where church was canceled for more than two weeks. That is absolutely nuts. So even though most of us will probably not actually interact with the coronavirus itself, we pray. We are all being forced as a globe to interact with ultimate things. And so this could be hitting you in a number of different ways. Um, You could be genuinely concerned about the sickness. Um, That is a real thing. Or you could be genuinely concerned about your 401k um, and your stock market and everything happening there. You could be thinking, if my kids aren't in school, then how am I going to find childcare for my kids and with working and what am I going to do about that? Um, You could be genuinely filled with anxiety for other parts of the world and other nations. Whatever the case... Uh, The crisis is real because I'm preaching into a microphone right now in a living room instead of in church. The deaths are real. The anxiety is real. And this is where I want us to reach back for the doctor's words and remind us that whenever we are forced to face ultimate things, it's a test. It's even an opportunity. The book of Hebrews says that every now and then God shakes things so that what is not secure is shaken and seen for what it is. And so that what cannot be shaken becomes visible and is seen as secure and firm and steadfast. The current pandemic is therefore an opportunity, both individually and as a community, Christ Church Madison, to behold what is shakable and what is unshakable. Our mortality is shaking, our economy is shaking, our institutions are shaking, but what is unshakable And what we have the opportunity to proclaim to a world in need is the rock. Mm -hmm. And the rock is Christ. Mm -hmm. So I want to give you three scripture passages which contain three different images about the rock of Christ in the midst of crisis. And more specifically, how we interact with the rock of Christ in the midst of crisis. Uh, These are all in your bulletin, and if if you're listening from home, this is in the bulletin online. And I, I want to just give you these scripture passages for the rest of the coronavirus season. Um, I'm not gonna dig into these all super deep, but they're so beautiful and I, I hope to just, this image of Jesus being the rock is something I think he's, that we're being gifted as a congregation right now. So here's the three points, I'll just give them to you and then we're gonna work through them. The three images are that we drink from the rock of Christ in the midst of crisis, we build upon the rock of Christ and we lead others to the rock of Christ. I'll say those again, but we drink from the rock, we build upon the rock, and we lead others to the rock. 
So first, we drink from the rock of Christ. And uh, this is from Exodus 17. So if you want to go there in your bulletin, uh, you can follow along as we work through it. When a global crisis like this uh, that we're in right now hits, our resources are always affected. This happens every time. Supply lines are cut off. Our export-import economies are halted. And the end of this, the product of this, is that you go to Costco for toilet paper and the shelf is empty. It means you go to buy some canned goods and there are none left because all the Y2K zombie apocalypse people got there first. And uh, you know who you are. (laughs) And we may experience this in terms of toilet paper, but poor communities will feel this in far greater terms. This is a real thing. And through divine providence, our lectionary reading from Exodus 17 for today is one of the greatest pictures of this. It's a picture of scarcity in the midst of crisis. So the people of Israel have just been liberated from Egypt, but they're now in the desert and they start to panic because as it says in verse 1, there's no water to drink. And so mob anxiety ensues, and, and who can blame them, right? The ancient Israelite internet starts blowing up with the water crisis. Uh, people take to the Twitter sphere in droves, and fingers start looking for someone to find f- at fault, and ultimately all the fingers land on Moses. This is all your fault. And then Moses freaks out because they're all about to kill him, and he runs to God. And then God says to Moses in verse 6, Behold, I will stand before you there in the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. So Moses hits the rock, which I've always thought is an amazing record title, and the miracle happens. Moses strikes the rock, and water gushes out of it, and the people drink. God provides a well out of nowhere. Now this is an amazing story, but what makes it even greater is what Paul says a thousand years later in 1 Corinthians 10 which is what Ian read uh, for our New Testament reading this morning. And I'll just read that again if you want to flip to that in your bulletin. He says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. And he's talking about Exodus 17 there. And then he says this, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Now this is wild. Paul is saying that the rock which nourished the people miraculously in a moment of panic and crisis was none other than Jesus himself. Not only was the rock Jesus, but notice he says it was following them. He was with them. He was moving with them in their scarcity through the desert. Paul is saying that Jesus is the one who nourishes us in times of scarcity. We really see this uh, also come back in the story of Jesus and the woman of the well in John 4, if you're familiar with it. Um, Basically, the story, you can read it later, but Jesus is hanging out at a well, uh, having a conversation with a woman in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the day. So it's a picture of dryness and scarcity. And he tells this woman that he has living water to offer her. And when he does, she says back to him, well, where are you going to get it? The well is too deep and you don't have a bucket. So he's like, I can see that your shelves are empty, basically. You don't have any water to give. And in the course of the conversation, he makes it clear that he is the source of living water. That he is the one who satisfies our thirst, no matter the circumstances. And it's really cool. The woman goes away and leaves without ever actually drawing physical water from the well. The Bible literally says that she leaves her water jar there. But it's also clear that she drank. 
that she did get water. In the middle of the desert, she drank from the rock of Christ. And what's fascinating is right after that story, the very next verse, the disciples say, hey, Jesus, you should eat something. Mm-hmm. And he says back, I have food that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like thinking of our Costco image. Uh, Jesus has shelves that we don't know about, and he has wells that we don't know about. He has these ways of accessing resources uh, that he wants to let us into. So the next time you're at Costco or Target or Aldi or Trader Joe's or Pick and Save or Hy-Vee, whatever kind of grocery store person you are, and you get to a shelf and you find it empty, that is a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. It's an acid test. It's an opportunity to deepen your faith. If you're with your kids, crouch down, look them in the eyes, and teach. Mm -hmm. It's a savorable moment. That empty shelf is there to remind you that things in this world can be shaken. Mm -hmm. Toilet paper is not magic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come on the shelves like the sun rises. Toilet paper is a part of the economy, and the economy can be shaken. We are spoiled in the West, and we Mm -hmm. take way too much for granted. Mm -hmm. But do not fear. Do not panic. Put not your trust in Costco or the stock exchange. Remember what cannot be shaken. Remember that when other resources run out, the water from the rock never does. Amen? Amen. This doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned about our food. God himself is concerned. Remember, he actually brings actual water for the people to actually drink out of the rock. But it does mean we use this to put our faith in Jesus, the one with living water, and not in any earthly institution. In times of crisis, we drink from the rock of Christ. No matter our situation, he is a well that we drink from. He follows us wherever we go. We say to the rest of the world, we have shelves that you don't know about. We have wells that you don't know about that we want to take you to. And as he says two chapters later, after in The Woman on the Well... His food is true food and his blood is true drink. Whether we are hungry or in prison or in crisis or just in a normal day, we drink from the rock of Christ. Just to finish this section, I want to read a um, section from Philippians 4, which Paul talks about this. Paul learned this truth. um, And I think it's interesting that he speaks about being able to drink from the rock of Christ, even in the midst of whether he has a lot or whether he's hungry. So this is from Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What's the secret? Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So it turns out this actually isn't about scoring touchdowns <laughs> or shooting three-pointers. Philippians 4.13 is about drinking from the rock no matter the circumstance. So we drink from the rock of Christ. Second thing is we build on the rock of Christ. And this is from our gospel reading in Matthew 7. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which we kind of skipped to, but maybe we'll go back to it later. Um, If that first image is one of nourishment in times of scarcity, this image is one of stability in times of turmoil. Uh, So let's just go ahead and read it. This is from Matthew 27, verse 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came 
and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus teaches us here that there is a way when things are being shaken, not only to see that some things are falling away and others are remaining firm, but that we can actually rest upon and build upon the things that aren't shaken. He's saying we too can become unshakable. That's astonishing. And how do we do this? Jesus is clear, hearing and obeying his word. Sounds like a Sunday school answer, but it's a good answer. It's very clear. It is about hearing and obeying the word of God. God's word is our anchor in the storm. Everything else in the world changes. Our health, the stock market, nations rise and fall away. But God's word never changes. It is even more permanent than the earth itself, Jesus says. Um, One of my favorite quotes from the Lord of the Rings is when Sam is in this particularly brutal and hopeless part of his journey. And he has every reason to be full of anxiety and fear and uh, terror. And he's at night and he's looking up at the dark clouds in the sky. And then Tolkien says this. There peeping among the cloud rack above a dark tor high up in the mountains, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. There is light and high beauty forever beyond the reach of evil. God's word reminds us of that truth, that there is a rock. There is light and high beauty that is far beyond the reach of tumultuous times, far beyond the reach of even coronavirus. Amen? And you can partake in that light and high beauty. You can feel your feet on the rock of that stability by simply hearing and obeying the word of God. So yes, read the news, get on the internet, follow the headlines. I'm doing the same thing. But I do want to pastorally encourage us all, especially in this season, to keep our noses in God's word just as much, if not more. And we let the steadfastness of God's word be our compass and our ultimate truth teller, not our news feed. And also it must be said that the place we hear the word and experience the stability of the rock is where? The church. Remember, the church is the body of Christ, right? The rock of Jesus manifested on earth. Remember, Jesus says to Peter that on this rock, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So think about the church as a rock business. We're all spiritual stones. We love that passage in 1 Peter in our church, being put together to create a spiritual house built upon the rock, the cornerstone of Christ. So this is a reminder that we don't just meet together for church when we feel like it or at our leisure. Every time we gather for word and sacrament, it is a wartime offensive against evil. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Every time we gather, it is out of necessity. Every time we gather, it is literally life or death. We just forget that. We take it for granted. We presume that it's just another thing on offer in our lives, but like the lesson of the empty toilet paper shelf, may this be a lesson 
this moment where we are being forced to gather together in word and sacrament in unique ways. We and other churches around the world are going to great lengths today to meet together. Today we are serving communion from five different porches and 30 degrees around Madison, for goodness sake, which is ridiculous. But that is because gathering together to drink and eat from the rock and build our house upon the rock is the still point in the turning world. Our lives depend upon it. So a lot of things will be canceled. Sports, schools, a lot of other things can just stop. But we will never cancel church wholesale, ever. Out of love and wisdom, we feel utter liberty to change the ways we do things, hence this morning, and that is absolutely responsible and wise. But we will never forsake our devotion to the teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers, and to the fellowship. And that is what the church has been doing since she was born in Acts 2. We're still devoted to the same, which is why we're doing this. So I pray that thinking about how precious our church is during uncertain times right now will stir up our love and appreciation and commitment to word and sacrament during stable times. I loved reading a piece from our Chinese brothers and sisters, which I put on our coronavirus page, which is from a house church. It's a letter from a Chinese pastor to other house churches. Um, And they're emphatically encouraging them not to cease gathering. And they're at more danger in their government than we are, and they are way more in danger of the coronavirus than we are. And they weren't saying to all gather in huge groups. Again, they're being very, very wise uh, and prudent about it. Uh, But he talks about the book of Hebrews and how in Hebrews it says to not cease meeting together as some have been prone to do. And he says the the people in the time of the Hebrews were in much greater danger than us. And so if they were being exhorted, do not stop ever meeting together. Um, Your faith hinges on it. There's so much that hinges on the rocks coming together to be built up. Uh, And our Chinese brothers and sisters are encouraging us to do that. Uh, Man, we need to learn that lesson. We take much for granted in America. So what a gift that the Lord has given us one another in order to help each other build each other up on the rock. Amen. Finally, we lead others to the rock. We lead others to the rock. And this comes from Psalm 61. Um, I have a different translation that I'll read than what was in our uh, bulletin this morning, but the version in our our bulletin was beautiful as well. But here's the version that I've been studying this week. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. So think of somebody calling out of anxiety or calling out of fear. Then it says this, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Um, This is one of my favorite psalms. I absolutely love this image. It's an image of a flood. So think of the water is rising. um, Water is pouring into your basement. It's above the, the wheel wells of your car. And there's all kinds of terror because like, where are you gonna go? And the psalmist is crying out to be led to a place of safety, to a place of refuge. He's crying out to be led and to be set upon high ground to God himself. So this is an amazing prayer for you to pray if you're struggling with anxiety during this time. Heavenly Father, lead me to the rock. Set me upon the rock that is higher than where I am right now. Help me to feel the stability of Jesus and drink from his well in my soul. But I also want to turn this around in terms of ministry Um, Because I think in the midst of crisis, we who are drinking from the rock and building our house upon the rock, 
have the responsibility and the privilege to lead others to the rock. So imagine that Madison was in a flood, which we experienced a couple of years ago. If you knew of high ground and of a refuge and a strong tower where there was safety, would you not want to let other people that you in your life know about it? Would you not knock on other doors and bring them to that well and that stability? We have an opportunity when things are shaken, not only to deepen our faith personally by seeing that Jesus is not shaken, but also to point it out to others. Part of the way we do this is by testifying to our anxious neighbors that Jesus is the one who cannot be shaken. This is an amazing moment uh, to be salty and light in our witness to the good news of Jesus. Another way we do this is through acts of mercy themselves. We work hard to love our neighbor in tangible ways, which there's a lot of opportunities to do that right now. Like I said, um, poor and immigrant communities will be most affected by school closures, which I think are a huge just kind of domino effect in our economy because of what happens with that. Um, And that means food um, in many ways for poor communities. That means hourly workers who can't know what to do with childcare is affected. The gospel charges us emphatically to focus on those who are most affected and to alleviate the suffering of the poor. That is part of the way that we point to the rock. So each of us are in different contexts, but in this situation, we do have a call and an opportunity to love people, both in our words and in our deeds. And how can you do that? How can you lead others to the rock right now in your life? If you've got tons and tons of toilet paper, do something crazy, you know? Go give it to some other people. Um, seriously, though, the grocery stores are genuinely empty, and uh, Christians share share stuff, and they don't expect people to give back. So what a cool opportunity. Uh, maybe you can find an opportunity to share what you have with somebody who doesn't. So we have this opportunity as a community, this acid test moment where things are being stirred, both in us and around the world. Now is the time to drink from the rock. Now is the time to build on the rock. Now is the time to lead others to the rock. For in the rock there is nourishment in scarcity, there's stability in the midst of turmoil, and there's ministry in the midst of suffering. Brothers and sisters, do not be afraid. There is a rock. There is a refuge for us. There is light and high beauty above all things. The rock is Christ. He has always been and always will be. Be reminded of this truth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And one of the ways we testify to the reality of this rock is by taking up the historic uh, proclamation of the Nicene Creed. And I encourage you to turn to page 11 of the bulletin uh, if you're at home or just recite it with us and you can stand as we say the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. The prayers of the people are the prayers of all of us together, so wherever you are, wherever you're listening, I encourage you to join with us as we pray. Join in your hearts and lift up your, your prayers to the Lord with us. Let us pray for the church and for the world, for the peace of the whole world, and for the well-being and unity of the people of God. Lord, this is a season where we desperately need your peace. We need to feel your peace. Uh, we need to know in our hearts that your peace is stronger than the panic that is surrounding us. So, Lord, we cry out to you for ourselves and for our world, for your peace to surround us, to inhabit every area of our life. Lord, in your mercy. For Foley, our Archbishop, and Stuart, our Bishop, for all the clergy and people of our diocese and congregation, Lord, there are so many decisions to be made in response to this crisis. There have been so many extra hours worked over the last few days and weeks. Lord, we pray for our leaders, pray for wisdom, we pray for discernment. Lord, we pray that um, they would be strongly anchored to you, that they would be rooted on your rock as they lead us and guide us to the rock. Lord, in your mercy. For all those who proclaim the gospel at home and abroad, for all who teach and disciple others. Lord, we pray for teachable moments. We thank you, Lord, for um, the opportunity that crisis provides in bringing us closer to you. Lord, we pray for our children and for our youth who are watching the adults and their reactions so closely right now. Um, Lord, we pray that we would be witnesses of your power and your goodness and your love to those who are watching us, um, whether they be our children, whether they be our non-Christian friends and neighbors, um, our communities. Lord, we pray for your wisdom uh, as we proclaim the gospel at home and abroad. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For our brothers and sisters in Christ who are persecuted for their faith. Lord, we pray for strengthening of faith. Always and everywhere, um, especially for those who already experience crisis and persecution. Lord, we pray for strength and for hope. Lord, in your mercy. For our nation, for those in authority, and for all in public service, especially, Lord, we lift up our healthcare workers, those who are managing um, panic and crisis and um, 
just a higher a higher workload right now. Lord, we pray for your peace in our hospitals, clinics, urgent care facilities. Lord, we also pray for um, grocery store employees um, who are managing so much anxiety from the people who are coming in. Lord, we pray for peace and for strength and for courage um, as those people go to work every day. Lord, in your mercy. For all those who are in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity, especially those who are most vulnerable in this season, Lord, we pray for the homeless. We pray for the poor and those affected most by school closures. Lord, we pray um, for those who are particularly socially isolated. Um, Lord, we pray against the spirit of loneliness in this season of social distancing. Lord, we do pray still for meaningful connections with each other um, and as we seek to be physically further apart, Lord, we pray for an emotional closeness um, and for this to bring us closer together. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, grant these our prayers for the sake of Jesus Christ, our only mediator and advocate, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Uh, please greet one another with a with a sign of Christ's peace in a socially responsible and uh, way. Uh, our peace goes out to everyone else listening to this right now. And um, please look on our coronavirus uh, website page for information about how we'll be distributing Holy Communion. Um, later on this day, and God's blessings to all.